0: A jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Welcome to the Master of None podcast, where I interview incredible entrepreneurs who have achieved success by embracing their multi-passionate selves and using their neurodivergence as a tool to grow their business. I'm your host, Cheryl Woodhouse, and I'm here today with Erica Grumet and Adam Katz. We're going to share more about how they got started in what they're doing, the biggest decisions they believe led them to success, and what they want to share with other people coming up behind them. Erica's work with Adam began in 2020, when she sought out Adam's guidance with one goal in mind, becoming a better writer. Since then she's been writing soul searching essays and poems about mental health, physical disability, sexuality, particularly bisexuality, rape and sexual assault, the the writing process and a variety of other topics. In addition to writing and managing content for the blog, Erica brings her experience as a social worker and educator to the website where she develops instructional tools and manages forums and writing groups to enhance the collaborative learning experience for students and to help showcase the work of guest writers. Adam is a teacher and tutor with over 10 years of experience. Shortly after graduating from Columbia University, Adam began to tutor young people one-on-one, usually in English, writing, math, or standardized tests. As part of the PhD program at Stony Brook, Adam taught intro-level classes in poetry, fiction, and drama. In recent years, Adam has been developing a curriculum based on the idea that creative writing is a better tool for learning how to write than the formulaic essays one practices in English and history classes. So hello to you both. Thank you for being here today. I'm really excited.
1: Hi, thanks for having us
0: it's it's really great to have you here um why don't you each start by telling us a little bit about the work that you do together so adam why don't you start off um you you have been helping erica with her writing and that's how you guys got started together
1: yeah that's correct um it was totally a bait and switch because i thought that i was going to be uh doing uh zoom calls with erica's children right because i um we we are alumni of the same camp, a few years apart, and so on the camp alumni website on Facebook uh, group, whatever, um, people were posting what are what are you doing during the, during the pandemic, and basically it was all musicians and then me, um, advertising my writing classes or announcing them. And Erica expressed interest and said there were you know some children involved, but then I ended up I, I've I ended up uh, tutoring Erica in writing, essentially, which is interesting. I mean, I've taught adults before. I, you know, I taught classes at Stony Brook, um, but I never tutored an adult, so it was a, it was an unusual, it was an unusual expan- expansion of of my practice, I guess you could say. But it um, ended up being awesome.
0: Okay, Erica, tell us more. How did you convince Adam to tutor you instead of the kids? It, I, don't,
2: I don't think it took much convincing. Um, I, I think as we were talking in the, in the setup, what do you do? How does it work? What's your program? What's your plan? Uh, we talked about my own experience as a writer, and I had been somebody who did a lot of writing as a, as a teenager, and I stopped. Um, There's a long involved story as to why, but I stopped. And after all those years of not writing, here I was in the middle of the pandemic and dealing with everything that the pandemic had brought on, plus some major changes in my personal life, plus the experience of having chronic illnesses that finally reached a point where they had, the balance there had, had shifted so that I wasn't coping as much and I had really become much more disabled by them. And uh, I needed an outlet and things worked out so that um, uh, Adam and I ended up working together um, kind of a stress relief. I'm getting a visit from the cat just
0: one second here. That's all good. Um, um, so tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing together now. So Erica, you're writing on a blog, um, Adam, you're supporting Erica in this or what's the dynamic? No, like um,
1: basically we, we started a website together.
0: Okay. Um,
1: that does indeed have a blog. The, um, the website is called two rules of writing.com. That's the number two rules of writing.com. Um, and it has basically four main components. One of which is there's a place for the two of us to put our writings. We post a few times a week. Um, the second is there's a place for people who solicit our, people who solicit us or people whom we invite to post their writings we have a bunch of we have a bunch of people uh who do that um and they're from all over the place we have one from uh the american southwest one from australia two from hong kong and uh more on the way actually um and then there is uh what we call writers on writing which is kind of It's kind of a Venn diagram situation. Sometimes what Erica or I write and sometimes what our outside writers write is about the writing process. And so we um, we sort of post it there as well. And then there's the fourth thing is the school, which is people can look at our website and say, hey, I want to write stuff. And it can be it can be for whatever reason. But but the way we envisioned it together, you know, a few months ago when we were hashing this stuff out, I, w- I would say September October of 2021 is that we wanted a place for people to go um, for to, to basically to learn to learn how to write as adults or as I guess teenagers, but in a way that that wasn't as stifling as most as as a lot of a lot of writing classes and a lot of ESL type classes can be. Um, You know, like somebody let's, for example, somebody who's a who's a business person who grew up in another language and they've decided that uh, not knowing not speaking English well enough is a barrier to their education. Yes, you could go crazy with the grammar books and the and the um, copy books and the workbooks and stuff like that. Or you could tell us what you want to write about and then you'd actually be having a good time.
0: Okay, then you two have developed all these resources and all this curriculum and all these different parts and pieces, in addition to all of the writing that you're doing on the site, which is kind of functioning as examples of good writing and also works that you want to share with other people. you based on what I saw in your bios, you come from kind of vastly different backgrounds. Adam, you come from this, um, I don't want to say technical writing because that's not the right term, but you come from a very academic, I guess, writing background um, and literature background. And Erica, you come from your social work background, which it makes sense, the topics that you like to explore with your writing. How do you bring those two worlds together? And does your neurodiversity help with that? Erica.
2: Oh yeah. I'm, I just, I'm, I'm going through my notes because we spent a good hour or more talking about this. Um, so writing, write, writing is a holistic experience. It's not only academic and in order to,
1: in order to kind of dig into In your writing, you need to be able to do
2: that. But the very first thing you need to do is to hear your voice. And we work with competence, we work with confidence, and kind of build up these things through what we do. Uh, that was one of the hardest things for me in the very beginning was just um, just kind of. Um, Being able to, to, to hear that, first to hear that voice, and then to, to trust the voice. The very kind of, found I guess the, the foundation, the scaffolding that we start with is, is that our goal is to help somebody learn to write better, but that better is self-defined. That those goals that you set are self-defined, what it means to get there is 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 not up for us to decide but for you when we started working together I think Adam what I said was I want to write better but I didn't have a definition for what that meant um it was very open-ended I could define a lot of things that I knew that it wasn't um you're grinning uh I see that um it, for me it didn't mean getting published it didn't mean um, you know, it did it didn't mean a lot of things, but I didn't know what it did mean um, and and through that that experience of working together we've been able to frame what better did mean um, you want to jump in
1: here? Uh, yeah, I would say I would say a big part of our collaboration has been figuring out those next steps, like what are we doing and what what's what comes next, because um, we've definitely both had experiences where um, where the the neurodivergence was an encumbrance, right? Um, and I, it's a little bit amusing to me that you uh highlight that I come from an academic background which of course I do but I also I think of myself as kind of an anti-academic at this point I mean I you know I've got I've still got the party tricks I can conjugate verbs in Latin I can recite speeches from Paradise Lost whatever but um but I don't think that like the whole time I was there I was kind of white knuckling because um, that's not how I learn, And I had this idea that I need to get the PhD and I need to develop these habits and I need to, um, you've, you'll, you'll have heard this sort of thing before, I needn't I need go on, right? And then, you know, in the last couple of years, especially with the added stress of the pandemic on top of the publisher parish perish mentality, I realized that's never gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. And so then I had this moment of real relief where I started to say to myself, okay, what, what can I do instead? I mean, it was also, you know, terror and frustration and, and, and worry and um, disappointment and stuff, but there was also relief. And what I know that I'm good at is teaching and especially teaching um, small groups or individuals. And I also know that I'm good at writing. And so then the question was, how do we develop that? And Erica has, you know, has has been on the administrative side a lot more than I have. And so that's, um, although, although also on the teaching side, probably also a lot more than I have. Um, and so that's where the, but that's where that collaboration comes from.
2: My teaching is a lot less classroom, a lot, a lot less academic than yours. I, um, my background is in social work, but I in um, sort of community building, capacity building in um, uh, training in public health and things like that. So I get to do things like find ways to bring that experience together, I do it like, I, as you said in the beginning, I, I developed some of the tools and visual organizers that we use. Um, I do a lot of work with finding balance with goal setting and helping people sort of define what does it mean to them to, 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 to have this experience, to become a writer, to become better, which is funny because for me, I had a real struggle just being able to apply the label "writer" to myself—it's—it's um, it's chronicled pretty extensively in in uh, in pieces I've, I've posted to the blog. Um, if um, <laughs> you know, in the last you know nine months or so, um, and Adam has heard me, you know, through. Gut-wrenching nights of of this is never going to happen, and how can I do this? Um, well, so and that's.
1: Hang on what I what I wanna what I wanna jump in and say though is that like co- the main issue that I deal with with um, with writers is confidence, right? I have a lot of people I I struggle whether to call them students or columnists because they're a little bit of both. they these are people who regularly contribute to the website and they're but they're also people who whom I sort of help in their writing. Um, I would lean more towards columnist. Um, And a a lot of the time, it really, like, for some people it's it's, I've never written something in a uh, public setting before. For some people it's I've never really written anything at all except, you know, uh, college essays. Um, For some people it's English is not my first language. And it really is just, like, people need, People need people around them. So, so uh, Erica is is gonna um, go in in this in this direction of saying that like you you have this like crisis of confidence we all do, and we all need we all need this sense of community around us. And part of what this website means to us, I I can say with confidence, is, um, is is attracting to our to our circle the people who are going to support us and whom we can feel good about supporting as opposed to the people who are going to expect us to act a certain way even though that's not how we do things right even though we've we have our workarounds right we're not going to walk in the straight line
2: you i mean you wrote that piece about if there were a third rule um that you know that, that that third rule would be something about collaboration I guess. yeah exactly
0: um so yeah i mean that's exactly. the whole thing um yeah. i think it's so meta that like to help other people gain confidence in their writing Because in part, you were lacking confidence in your writing, Erica, you have started this journey to create something that usually gives people confidence issues as they're implementing it, like creating a new business, creating a new website, creating a new venture is another spot where that shows up. And so you're overcoming these obstacles as you're helping people through them in the same area and in different areas. And I think it's really cool when you get to share that piece of yourself through a project like this. It's
2: the, I mean, the, the experience of, of writing has been fantastic for me, but I, I, you know, without hesitation, even though there's, there have been definite highs and lows through the process, the experience of collaborating has been even more so. I mean, it's, it's, and it's not just collaborating with Adam. It's, it's, you know, which is incredible. And um, I'm so incredibly, I keep keep going back to the same word. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude at that experience. Sorry, Adam, I I lost the thesaurus tonight. (laughs) Um, And, um, but it's not just that collaboration. It's the experience I get collaborating with all of our other writers with, um, you know, we have, we, have, we have a columnist who writes these, Eric, who writes these incredible, terrific pieces about his experiences in academia. And he's written about the process of rejection. And it was funny because we accidentally kind of ended up with a week of, of pieces where the theme just all seemed to be about rejection. Um, or uh, Adam introduced me to his friend, Wen, who um, who has written about family life and about teaching and um, who's a poet. And I, you know, when I'm not writing essays, that's a genre that I tend to work in a lot is, is poetry, which was not, I think, what Adam expected to be working in when we started working together at all. Um, but it's been really great to be able to talk poetry with somebody who often also writes in, you know, their their personal stuff in that way. And I get to work with with the other writers because I do, I do the background stuff. I'm the one who deals with the technical side of things and puts together their bios and, you know, gets all their stuff together for the website, which is just a nice way to get to know everybody that that we get to work with. Um and there are other people I work one-on-one with to kind of help with the goal setting and the balance and fitting writing in as an enhancement or a piece of what they're doing instead of letting it become a compulsion um you know that's something that i've certainly gone through myself phases where i could do nothing but write, but have to find balance in there between not burning out um and that's something that that mental health is a big thing that adam and i have focused on absolutely in our you know in our work together as you know, colleagues in our work together as writers and just as friends. I think it's a it's a big piece for us, and and I really get to 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 sort of bring that angle in and and honor the place that that has in people's lives and in humanity in a you know in a society that doesn't value that the way it needs to be valued. Um, yeah, that's in a you know that's yeah. another yeah thing a, I get a, to do.
1: Absolutely, a big part. I mean. Something that I've been going through a lot in the last few months, especially, but in the last few years, right, I think something we've all been going through is is watching our society refuse to place a value on health and then refuse to place it. I mean, the United States, I know you're uh, in Vancouver, Uh, but to watch our, our society refuse to place a value on health and refuse to place a value on mourning. And so, I will say that a lot of the essays I've written have been about those two things, right? I've written a lot about dead people, and I've written a lot about uh, losing my mind, um, because those are two things I've gone through in the last couple of years, right? And and you can you can do that thing that Erica used to do. And I will say with some pride doesn't do as much anymore, which is to say, oh, I'm, I'm writing such maudlin nonsense. Or you can say, this is the real optimism, right? The real optimism is when you can have a life that includes uh, an appreciation of balance and of death and of the, the, the worth of the individual. Um, and of the worth of the community, and still be able to feel a sense of joy and connection.
2: What did I write recently in the anti-Semitism piece? Something about acknowledging and honoring the place that trauma has. Yeah. Mm. I think that was in the anti-Semitism. Exactly.
1: As opposed to the minimum it'll take for you to get back to work
0: which is so much more important than our well-being in so many ways in this society, isn't it? <laughs> must, must improve economic output at all
1: costs. But that's, so that's, that's where this whole thing started. Um, mm-hmm. Is, is that I was teaching in um, what I sort of um, jo- jokingly called Tiger Mom Academies, which was schools, where um, the ch- mostly the children of Asian immigrants, not exclusively, but mostly, uh, the children of Asian immigrants would um, would basically study for the SATs, the PSATs, the SHSATs, which is a phenomenon we have in New York uh, for getting into like Stuyvesant and other special high schools. Um, and these kids, I mean, these were windowless rooms, 24 kids packed in like, a, I don't know, 12 by 12. and. Um, and they spent their they spent all of their vacations there, right? All of those week long vacations from school. They spent their summer vacations. I had to explain to a kid about um, about wood rotting because he basically didn't go outside. Um, and it was it was, I mean, I did my exactly right. It it makes your heart hurt. I did my best every day I went there to make those kids laugh, and. And I went there knowing that I needed the money and that I was participating in something that was unacceptable. Yeah. And then when I um, started teaching writing classes, it was to the same population, but it was in a different school. It was in a, uh, a school that had a much more sophisticated um, educational philosophy. And they asked me to teach these creative writing classes, but it was the same population of kids. It was, the, it was, um, it was. It's that immigrant trauma, right? That you have to that you have to succeed and you have to become a doctor. And you know, we we have we have that as well because you know I'm second generation on one side, third generation on the other. So uh, my mom is a doctor. Both of her brothers are doctors, right? Like that 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 was what was expected. But I. So what I started doing was I would start these writing classes by by just walking up to the board and writing rule number one, you must make mistakes. Rule number two, you must finish something. Mm. And the first rule was really hard for these kids because kids aren't allowed to make mistakes anymore. Uh, I don't know about anymore, maybe they never were. Um, It's hard for me too. Exactly. You
2: know.
1: and it's hard for me. I, I get writer's block. I have perfectionism. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm, I stand outside of this process. Part of it is that I'm going through this process with you. Uh, and then the second rule was you have to finish something, right? Because you can't make the perfect the enemy of the good. Um, and that was hard for these kids also, because if they were going to finish something and say, this is done, I'm going to show my parents, I'm going to show my teachers. It needs to be perfect right it can't have a single mistake no it's going to have mistakes there's going to be something you're going to go back into one of your stories or one of your essays and say oh i should have done i should have done i should have done and that's fine <laughs> yeah. that's, that's
2: why sucks. one of my first posts to um adam and i have worked together on on uh, you know, other blogs before but my first mm-hmm. one of my first posts to this current blog uh is about that experience of well, how do I know it's finished? I, you know, it's a poem that I wrote and, you know, workshopped and wrote and workshopped and it's finished because it's finished. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, somebody else said, you know what? Stop playing with it. It's finished.
1: Right.
2: Somebody else, Adam said, stop playing with it. It's finished.
0: <laughs> and it's never finished.
2: No, no. Exactly. I'm silly. You know, I, I, I am constantly going back in, in, you know, as I read old blog posts and correcting grammar or moving, you know, moving, you know, punctuation marks or, you know, fixing a broken link or whatever, nothing's ever finished.
0: Um, I, I have to, honestly, I'm going to have to put a trigger warning on this episode. And it's not something I always do, but the reason is, and I I need to explain it because I feel like there needs to be a space here for this. Um, You know, I am an unschooling parent. I am an unworking person. I am a neurodivergent human with school trauma. And hearing that experience of those kids, there was like a physical reaction in me. I saw
1: that. I'm sorry
0: no, it's okay. I, what I want to do is hold the space for that in this, in this episode, because I think it's important to acknowledge there's a large percentage of us who also have that. Like we've all been in windowless rooms, having our mistakes pointed out to us at six and seven years old. Ugh. Right. And yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, and, and that was, I mean, that's one of the things, um, I don't know how carefully you read through the notes I sent, but that was one of the things we talked about. Was that experience of having to unteach a lot of this? Um, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, like, I mean, I, I have the most vivid memory, like more more vivid than more more vivid than than most of the things you'd expect from childhood. Most of those idyllic childhood. Uh, no, is is my eighth grade math teacher. Uh, after I'd failed another test, calling me nonchalant, which I think was when I learned that word. So go him. But he was, I mean, I don't think of him as, as a bad guy, but he didn't get that. I understood everything he put on that board. It's just that when it came time to demonstrating my knowledge, I made random errors. And so, like um, when I when it came my turn to teach arithmetic and to teach, you know, algebra and trigonometry and stuff like that, um, mostly uh, mostly one to one, but I have taught that in classrooms. um, I did my best to figure out why the student was messing up and what the student needed from me, as opposed to assuming that basic assumption of public schools right that if you're if you're making if you're not getting high marks on the test and you're not and you're consistently not getting high marks on the test you must not be learning you must not be studying you must not care about studying it's none of that
0: yeah that that baseline assumption that everyone can do it if they just put in the work there's that there as well which Um, is patently false and actually it kind of brings me to my next question which I'm curious about you're you're both here because this is a podcast for people doing things with neurodivergent brains so I'm curious how, where do you land in that world um Adam since you're actually no go ahead you
1: all right ahead. Um, so I, I i was i was the um, you see this occasional a, as a joke in like Facebook groups. Were you the pleasure to have in class neurodivergent or were you the see me after class neurodivergent? I was both, um, <laughs> right? There were, there, were, there were classes where I just could not stop talking. And there were classes where I would be like acing things flat footed. And sometimes it was the same class. Right, I remember very clearly um, reading, ha- having that giant uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book open on my desk in ninth grade biology, because like she would say this stuff once, and then I would know it, and then I would go to my book while she, while she caught everybody else up basically, and and so, but of course it was Hitchhiker, so I was giggling out loud, which in hindsight, anyway, so. Um, I never had a diagnosis growing up. I got the ADHD diagnosis in college. I got the depression diagnosis in my 20s. I'm wondering if there's a hat trick in there somewhere, like if there's a third diagnosis for me to, um, beyond the ADHD and the anxiety slash depression.
2: Trying to catch up with me, are you?
1: I mean, I feel like if I don't put in an honest effort, then I won't be able to hold my head up. But you know, um, um, anyway, that's my story.
0: Okay.
2: Erica, how about you? Um, how about me? Um, can you give me that question again? I, you know, have been listening to Adam and had one of those no, moments where things fine. just fall out of my head.
0: At your diagnosis, do you have a diagnosis? Do you have multiple or are you self-diagnosed? Oh.
2: I, I have layers, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm an onion here, um, I have, um, I have PTSD um, and in my 40s, my very early 40s, um, I, I, you know, I, and, and I had dealt with some fairly intense PTSD related symptoms in my early 20s. Um, but in my 40s, some things happened, and I ended up going back and seeking treatment for the PTSD and anxiety and depression and in the process of doing that. Um, one of the things I kept coming back to was brain fog. Like I, I you know, and I'm, I'm, yeah, well, okay, so I'm in my 40s, I'm, you know, I'm at an age where a lot of people have that experience. and my, um my, my doctor was, was the one who was on top of it and said, look, you're treating this and this and this, you're doing all the right things, you know, let's, let's look at this. And she diagnosed ADHD in there. And it was like night and day. I mean, the first, I, I, I've chosen to take meds as part of treatment because it works for me. Um, but the very first day I, you know, I, I did that. Um, I panicked. I had a, because I'd never in my life experienced anything like that kind of quiet before it was, you know, it was, it was scary because there weren't, you know, 600 pinballs, you know, my, my head was not the inside of a pachinko machine with (laughs) flashing lights and bouncing balls and noise. And, And everything, and when those meds wore off, I cried for a good hour. Um, It was a, so yeah, so I am actually formally diagnosed and, you know, as I said, multifaceted. I'm also physically disabled uh, on top of all of this, which, you know, which just serves to complicate matters. You cracking up there, mister?
1: No, it just sucks.
2: (laughs) you're laughing because I chased the cat last night. Literally, that's sort
1: a, of. That's a that's a maybe an anecdote for another podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I do. I do want to make sure that we keep this short enough for our listeners to stay engaged with us. So I only have a couple more questions, if you don't, if you don't mind. Of course. One not. of the things I always love to ask is if you were to look back on your journey, and let's let's look at building this site. Learn right this project that you've got going together. If you were to look back at this and pick out a decision or a moment that was pivotal to your success, could you? Is there is there one thing?
1: Hmm. I think mean, it
2: depends on how you define success. Um, that's that's a big piece of it. I think. I mean.
1: how about so far I I think I could um so I I mean I so I told you this I came out of academia um I graduated in 2019 which um along with the college degree in 2008 uh means twice I've graduated into an economic recession um like directly into the team
0: millennial problems oh my god (laughs)
1: I swear, I thought to myself, I'll go to grad school. And by the end of that interval, the economy will be back on the upturn. And I was wrong. Um, Ah. Obviously I didn't get an economics degree, which is (laughs) for the best for everybody. But the, so, so it was 10 years of thinking that I was, I mean, I took a couple of years off, but it was from, the better part of, of seven or eight years of thinking that I was doing everything wrong because I was because I didn't have I don't know I just I just never really figured out the workarounds right mm. and then um, I had I did I did other things since then um, one of which was this other website and um, it it was just a lot of being told that I wasn't doing things the right way or being made to feel that I wasn't doing things the right way. And so I think that the basic decision that launched uh, this website um, really just in October and we've, we're, all, we're very much on an upward trajectory unlike the economy. Um, but the, the, the basic decision was what happens, what, what are we capable of? In this case, we as Erica and I, but we already had some other people that we expected to bring into our circle. What are we capable of when we can, when we can have like 15 minutes together without somebody else making us feel like we're morons. And like, we don't know how to do something just because we don't know how to do something the way the other person wants. And that that was a decision right it was it was something we spoke about it was something that that we i don't know set our intentions towards and i would say that that was the that was the essential decision because i i've i've always shied away from running things and the the reason is precisely what 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 we've talked about right i don't know what it's like to run something without uh, with, with like the full knowledge that I'm not going to be following the same playbook as everybody else, because I can't, but I'm also going to add some things to the, to the process that you didn't think of.
2: I think that's one of the things that makes us successful though, is that ability to blend our strengths and weaknesses. Um, I am good at the, administrative tasks, the list making, the keeping track of things, the, you know, this needs to be followed up on. It's, you know, it's not a way, it's not usually a strength of some neurodiverse people, especially with things like ADHD in there. Um, And for me, having had to compensate for it for so long, I've got lots and lots of strategies and workarounds and, you know, ways to, to, to deal with that Um, but you know as far as success goes um seeing people be able you know seeing people kind of come into their own and kind of empowering themselves to to reach those goals to explore their new places as a writer to, to sort of dig into what does this mean to me and why am I doing it and and that connection with themselves and with kind of humanity in general, you know, it's, it's that I've always been all about like making change, you know, let's, let's shake this up. Let's, let's be forces for good. Um, And I get to do that all the time in, you know, in, in, in big and in small ways, I get to do it in, you know, in my work with with Adam, both can you call me a student anymore? I don't know. I mean,
1: I can if I, you want. I, I,
2: I don't know what, I don't know how to define that part of what we do. I mean, but in my collaboration with Adam, in my work with other students, and in the feedback we get from readers, um, which to me was the most unexpected part
1: you never oh. expected anybody to like your fucking writing that's what that <laughs> that's what that means um this was sure. this was back in in august right where when you wrote that piece about how it had been 40 years since the morbidity and mortality conference when where they identified june, june thank you it it's was july. it was during it was, it was in the summer it was during it was
2: it's june
0: or july around
1: it was around pride month um yeah. You wrote, it, would, it had been 40 years since, the, since they identified the pneumonia cases at the morbid, Morbidity and Mortality Conference that, that then became, went on to become the AIDS epidemic. And, um, and I, I showed that article to everybody I'd ever met. And um, I was so pleased with it. And somebody came back and said, my uncle died of AIDS and my dad wanted to tell you that he really got a lot from that article, and then I told that to Erica, and then Erica did not know how to handle that information.
2: Oh, I—I I mean, I cried. That was the first thing I did. Is. Uh,
1: I mean, that's the correct response.
2: In sure. Um, yeah. And we, um, if you, you know, obviously we'll be able to put together for your, you know, notes and and things, um, the the uh, well you know you can share a link to the blog in general but we can pull out these specific articles and
0: that we've talked about and, and kind of link to those in particular if you want yeah that would be great um when as we're coming up here towards the end of the episode actually i'd love to ask if people want to go to your website if they want to follow you on social like give us all the things where can we go oh we got it it's um everywhere. it's rules
1: okay. two rules of the number two rules of um, and that's the, that's the main website and it has links to everything else. So if you get that, you're fine. Um, cool. But Are there's also,
2: Twitter?
1: right. I was going to say there's also on Twitter, which is at two rules of writing. Still the, the number. number
2: it's the number two. I
1: don't know why okay. I'm holding up two fingers. Nobody else can see this. This is for uh, Cheryl. And I, this is for Cheryl's benefit. Eric already knows. Um, uh, and then we're on uh, Instagram. It's the same thing, right?
2: No, it's the, the- no. Spell out the word two because there was that little confusion over. Just that. go to
1: the website. Don't you, you probably have dyslexic people? Oh yeah, that, that's another thing I forgot to mention. Um, <laughs> the dyslexia. See, there we there we go. We got the hat. Got trick. the hat trick. Um,
0: ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this has um, been a blast. But
1: yeah, so so yeah. just remember the number two followed by rules of writing. Okay and it's got links to everything including the twitter including the elusive instagram with the with the with the, with the word two in it instead of a number um links to the facebook group etc um but awesome yeah yeah we
0: um, yeah. the the okay.
1: main the main thing is reach out to us because we, like if if you have if you have audience members who are thinking to themselves who are like nodding along and I bet you do, right? Um, I, I never considered myself a good writer. I never had a place where I could go where they would take me seriously as a writer because my spelling sucks or because my sentence structure sometimes gets a little woogety, or because uh, I've just never had a teacher who uh, w- wanted to collaborate with me on something like that. We're here, That is that is how That is how this works, you you get in contact with us. I have one columnist who sent me an email or a Facebook message or whatever, who said, I wanna write something, but I don't know what. And that was in the summer. And she's submitted basically an article a month since then. Wow. So the system works.
0: Okay. You heard it here first, everyone. If you want to write, but feel like for 70 jillion reasons that your writing's not good enough, Adam and Erica can help you. They can yeah. build your confidence to oh, me, number two rules of writing.com.
1: There you go. Let me, okay. let me be specific about that. I check in with my writers once a week Thanks. because the worst thing is to have a crisis of confidence and not have somebody to talk talk it over with and to say, oh, I, I really want to call somebody. Oh, but Adam is probably busy. No, I'm not busy. I'm going to call you.
2: Yeah. And uh, that, that also is the same. I have, you know, I have that time too. And I, I kind of work to schedule regular check-ins when people are working one-on-one with me. Um, sometimes we tag team it, uh, you know, it all depends on, on how people assess their own needs and, you know, where, where they need the most support
0: right now. That's amazing. It's, I love it when people take a stand for each other in that way. And I think a lot of that comes from our neurodivergence and needing that for ourselves, Mm -hmm. having experienced that feeling of just kind of being left dangling out there, not wanting to reach out for help and inconvenience someone, but desperately needing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Initiative. Yeah. 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 Well,
2: you know, it, it. when you're, you know, when you're struggling, that's the hardest time that you take, that you you know, for, to ask for help yeah. and when you need it most. And so, exactly. you know, knowing that somebody is there and checking in regularly with you and, you know, even yeah. if it's just to say, Hey, I'm here. How are you?
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I, I had to learn how to use a calendar for this to work. <laughs> um, not, uh, for, for the tutoring, for the checking in with writers, for, for um erica and i managing deadlines together i've i've always hated calendars and and since the pandemic i have started to keep a calendar and it's myself from three years ago wouldn't recognize me and is a little bit embarrassed (laughs) by me but but you know you know what you 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 make the accommodations with yourself you need to make
2: but i keep Um, telling you that that it's you know It's about finding the system that works for you. Right. Exactly. One of the things I have is flexibility. I'm okay. I collaborate with you. This is the system that works for you. Let's use your system. Mm -hmm. Because you have more, you know, rigid you need more rigidity there than I do.
1: So Right. I mean I'm I'm and I'm I mean, I'm the principal editor. So I had to figure out a way to keep track of all these writers who are submitting monthly pieces. Which I think is due for an upgrade because the current system is a little bit hijinks prone yeah. we'll,
2: we'll put it on the work on our calendar for the work day on
0: our agenda
1: I right. a calendar.
0: ah I have six and I alternate between <laughs> them like they're different hobbies you have six
1: is one fireman and one. <laughs> oh, I what have what color I coding yeah I, 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 I color heard. code
0: my calendar google i've got paper planners like four or five different paper planners i've got sticky notes and i just vacillate wildly between all of the options depending on which one works for my brain that day
1: yeah
0: yeah but it works actually
2: google is is i you know i i i cannot say that google is not an essential tool for (laughs) what we do (laughs) i've never seen you make such frightened eyes out of
1: no 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 no! like that was that was emphatic like yeah that's uh, the the e calendars are if that's what you call them are are what finally worked for me because i can constant. be talking to somebody on the phone a writer for example and um and i and we can say okay i'm penciling you into the um i'm penciling you in for for a weekly phone call on sundays yeah. at this time and then that's it i have a phone that goes ding and then i call the person
0: yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's awesome yeah. well this has been absolutely wonderful i feel like everyone has learned a great deal um and now they know where to go to get more from you so thank you both very much for being a part of the podcast in this episode today it's been great thank you thank you we're thrilled to be here and yeah really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, for everyone listening, as you may or may not know already, we upload every Thursday. So make sure that you are subscribed on Spotify or Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Uh, if you hop over to anchor, you can actually find all of the links that go with this episode, including the link to my Facebook group, where we'll often host Q and a, or just comment threads about the episode when it goes live. So feel free to hop over there Um, and we hope to see you on the next one. This has been Master of None.